Over in chapter 10, he's using the example, more of the brethren, I do not want you to be unaware, or some translation says ignorant, or not know that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. He's talking about the Israelites. And he gives an example we're going to look at a little deeper, but the verse I want to primarily look at is verse 12, 13, and 14, and primarily verse 13. And after he gives the example of how they terribly failed because they didn't handle temptation well, and their idea of handling temptation was to just give in to it, and it caused them a lot of trouble. And so he says in verse 11, all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our ammunition upon whom the ages, end of the ages have come. That's verse 11, I'm sorry. And I don't know about you, but he says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And how we stand, whether or not we fall, depends on what we do with temptation. And look at what he says in that verse. No temptation is overtaking you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Father, I thank you today that, Lord, as you've prepared and made a way for each and every situation that we face in life, with temptation, you've made a way that we don't have to give in to it. We don't have to become victims of it. And that in Christ, you have gave us the ability to endure and overcome the test of temptation. Lord, today I pray that you'll speak, you'll give us a new and fresh understanding. And Lord, I need to hear from you, I need to see you move. So Lord, I'm asking, I'm begging that you might touch someone in here today, that we might leave this place knowing that you were here with us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's some things in life that we don't like that God has dealt with. When it comes to guilt, how many of you likes guilt, shame? You know, I don't like feeling guilty. I'm thankful one day I got convicted. But you know, the Bible says that God has taken care of our guilt, that we are forgiven. And I don't know about y'all, I thank God for the forgiveness that we have. That when I go to the cross, when I go to Jesus and I get under the blood, and I confess, and I get real honest with Christ, and I get judgment day real, He washes my sins, He spreads them as far as the east is to the west, and there's no shame, there's no guilt. But I don't know about y'all, but how many of you like to walk around in fear? Many of us walk each and every day full of fear. Well, not only does God say that you are forgiven, so don't walk around in guilt, but God says when it comes to our fear, fear not, for I am with you. Guys, I don't know if you read much and see, but we are never alone if you're saved. God's within us. Jesus said, I'll never leave you as an orphan. My spirit will live in you. And I don't know about y'all, but I face things every now and then that may cause concern, that may grip you. But I'm going to tell you right now that I can honestly say since I met Jesus, since Christ has come into my life, I don't fear things the way I used to. Amen. God takes away fear just like he takes away our guilt and our shame. Well, I don't know about y'all, but this verse is a wonderful verse. He says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to all men. But God is faithful, just like he's faithful to take away our guilt, just like he's faithful to take away our fear and give us the ability to overcome that. 
He's given us the ability to overcome temptation. I got good news for you today. You don't have to give in to it if you're saved. Look at what he says. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But through the temptation will allow you a way of escape so that you may endure it. Friends, I don't know about you, but when it comes to temptation, God says you have a way out. (laughs) It doesn't have to grip you and control you. It doesn't have to make you do what the devil wants to use it for. The devil uses guilt, amen? He accuses us. He wants to make you feel guilty if you sin. He uses fear. He wants you to feel like the uncertainty of your failures and the the, the weakness of your flesh is going to cause God to turn on you, but God loves you. The Bible says, who be, if God be for us, who can be against us? But guys, listen, when it comes to temptation, the devil is a master of using it against the brethren. He destroyed Israel's chances of the promised land, of the land of milk and honey, of the land of rest that God had, because Israel did not respond well to temptation. And when I look at my life, you know the easiest way to make temptation go away is to give in. But then sin enters. And if you begin to give in to temptation, it becomes a habit. And before long, the devil realizes, and as long as that temptation is working, he's going to continue to use it to rob you of the joy of your salvation. And friends, as you begin to look at temptation today, the first thing you see in that verse is that temptation is common to all men. Is there anybody here who hasn't experienced temptation lately? Is there anybody here on a regular basis wishes temptation would go away? There's nobody here godly enough. Even Jesus, when he was here, suffered temptation. The only difference between him and us is that he never gave in to it. Not once. So temptation, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's not a sin to feel desires that draw you to do things that you know you shouldn't do. But guys, the next thing I see in this verse is the wonderful news is God will not allow you to be put into a tempting situation where you have to give in to it, where you must give in to sin. The Bible says in that verse, God will provide a way out so that you will be able to endure every temptation. There's never been a temptation in your life since you've been saved, since Jesus lives in you, that God did not and had provided you a way out if you'd have wanted it. You see, God's way out, though, does not necessarily remove temptation, but he does promise us the ability to endure it. And to overcome temptation, you got to be willing to endure it for a season, and it's much easier, we think, to just give in to it and it'll go away. But guys, the consequences of giving in to temptation and letting it produce sin in your life is much worse and much harder on you than fighting the good fight of hanging in there with Jesus. Because you know what the devil learns? Once he realizes it don't work anymore, he goes and finds something else. But as long as it works, as long as he can torment you, as long as that temptation is successful in his approach to get you to do things God doesn't want you to do that hurts your relationship, that brings guilt, that brings fear, he's going to tempt you. And he's going to use it as long as we let him. But I got good news for us, folks. God has promised to give us strength to resist 
and overcome. One thing we need to be clear of this morning as you look at that verse, and that one thing is you never have to sin if you're a Christian. God will never lead you to a place where your only choice is disobedience. God always places us where we have a choice. I was studying this this week, and I was looking for a loophole, a way to justify all the times I made the wrong choice. But there is not one. Because when I got to looking at some of my worst failures, some of the things that I've done since I've been a Christian that I looked at, I chose to do it. I didn't have to. I've never, ever been in a predicament in a situation where there was no way out. I always could have said no. And I always could have prayed more. I could have seeked the Bible more. I could have went to a Christian friend and got an accountability partner. I could have confessed. The Bible says confess our sins one to another. Yes, we need help. There's always a way. And that main way is Jesus. And if we've got Jesus, the Bible tells us that we don't have to sin. The Bible says that this temptation that we experience every day of life for some of us is common to all men, even Christians. But that our God is faithful. He will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able to endure. That's what he promises. Now, if he's promised us that we don't have to walk in fear because he is with us, we praise God for that. He's promised us that we don't have to be ashamed or walk around in guilt because he's forgiven us. We need to praise God that we don't have to give in to temptation because he has provided for us a way of escape so that we might bear it. Bear it, that scripture says. And friends, you know, the first thing some of us need to do is wake up to the reality and come to the realization truth that we're in a war. Not all of Christianity is hunky-dory, happy ever after. Christianity, once you get saved, you get placed on the wrong side of Satan. And friends, listen, spiritual warfare is real. And you're never closer to the front lines of spiritual warfare than when temptation enters into your mind and begins to knock on the door of your heart. That is the front line of spiritual warfare. We are at a war, and the enemy does not fight fair. We are at war with an enemy who is far stronger than we are. He lies, he cheats, he deceives, he never gives up, and he never quits. You may beat him today, but he'll be back before you go to bed tonight with the same temptation if he thinks it will work. So you got to understand we serve a relentless enemy, but the good news is we serve a, we, we don't serve him, I mean, we deal with him. But even though we have an enemy far stronger than our, we have a savior who is far stronger than the enemy. And friends, I want you to remember Jesus fought and won the battle 2,000-some years ago when he died on Calvary and he was raised from the dead. And friends, listen, Jesus is our undefeated, undisputed champion of spiritual warfare. And he is with you today, not just to keep forgiving you for the same old sin, but to give you grace, to give you spiritual help and aid to say no to the devil and his temptations. You see, we have a bad habit of not praying till after we do it. But the time you need to get to praying is the moment you start thinking about doing it. Because, friends, listen, there's a good reason to learn how to endure salvation. 
The greatest reason is not because of what happens when you don't. That's we're going to look at what happened to Israel. The greatest reason is this. James chapter 1 verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed. Amen. The man who continually gives in to temptation loses blessings. The man who lets temptation have its way every time will never experience one of the greatest blessings of all. He says, blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Friends, I don't know of anything that must probably please Jesus more than when the devil does like he did old Job. Is Job really as good as you think he is, God? Oh, yeah, he is. Go test him out. (laughs) Well, he's only good, God, because you protect him and you bless him. Job only does what you say, God, because you've sheltered him and you've put such a hedge of protection around him. And God said, well, go try him out. And Job passed with flying colors. Job had to endure hell on earth, but in the end, Job was more blessed after he endured temptation correctly than before. And friends, listen today. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. There's no man here who will ever get so spiritual, so spiritually mature, so Christ-like that you'll never have to endure temptation. Jesus had to endure it. It ain't going away. It's going to be here till the day you die. So what you got to do is learn how do you endure it. And friends, I don't know about you, but the first thing you have to recognize is that it's here, it's not going anywhere, and we got to deal with it according to grace. Listen to what he says. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But God allows it. Why do you think God allows it? Many places it says it's to test us. And nothing tests you how much you love God than what we do when temptation shows up. Because if you noticed in that verse, he says, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Friends, you know what makes us say no to temptation more than any other thing that motivates us is a love for God. You love God. The Bible says, Jesus said this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will say no to the devil and his temptations. Now, I'm not here to tell you you're going to have a 100% success rate. Nobody will. But I'm here to tell you that in my life, I know there's a lot of room for improvement. How about you? That I give in far too easy. I watch Americans. I watch the church. And most of us do not fight temptation well. Very few of us are going to be a candidate to get what he's talking about. And friends, we live in a time now where the world has never been more carnal where the world has never, ever been more against God and more for the things that God opposes. And friends, there's three things that you will fight that God will give you strength to help. And they are the world that we live in, the flesh that you're trapped in, and the devil. The flesh, the world, and the devil are used for temptation. And guys, listen. As we live on this earth, we've got to understand the importance of fighting temptation. Because let me show you why. If you look in our text this morning, where we started out at, 
He says, moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware in verse 1 that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. What's he doing? He's showing you the privileges and the benefits, the spiritual advantages that Israel had as God's chosen people. And friends, with all of those privileges, with all those spiritual advantages, with all those benefits, they miserably failed because they would not deal properly with temptation and they give in to sin. And listen to what he says. Moreover, brothers and sisters, moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. I do not want you to be ignorant. He's what he says. I want you to know that all our fathers were under the cloud. What cloud? The cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night led them. The presence of God was before them and led them. And all passed through the sea. He's talking about the parting of the Red Sea, their deliverance. And they were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food. They got to see the manna and eat the manna that was daily provided by God. And all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Water in the middle of a desert on a regular basis. And with most of them though, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. And then look at what he says. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things like them. You know, what is temptation? Well, if you look it up, temptation is a sense or a desire to do something that is wrong or sinful. That's what it says when you look it up. It involves a thing, a person, or an internal compulsion to be disobedient to God's moral law and oppose His divine will. That's what it is. But the best definition you'll ever see is right there in verse 6. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things like they did. What's it mean to lust after evil things? It means to desire them. It means to think about them, to focus on them, to let them begin to tempt you. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in James, listen what it says. It says in James, it gives you another good biblical definition of what temptation is. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and is enticed. Then when his desire has conceived... It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. If you let temptation conceive into what it wants to produce into your life, which is sin, the end result is death. I started to bring this, but I knew y'all get accused me of trying to... Bring, I was going to bring a fishing pole, and I was going to bring a little jig. Man, we fished. We got a pole. We got a little bitty jig. It weighs... A sixteenth of an ounce. It's a little bitty lead head with a color on it. It's got a little bit of this stuff wrapped around it like material. And then it's got a feather that's dyed a color. And we dye them all kinds of colors. You know why? So we can trick a fish. So we can deceive that fish to think that that is something that he needs or wants. But guess what? It's a trick. Because he thinks it's a minnow. I don't know what he thinks it is. But I got to tell you, I got about three or four of them that I'm confident if I tie it on the pole and I stick it next to a white perch, his butt's coming home with me. And the devil knows what to sit in front of your face. He knows what's to dangle at your house. He knows what color 
He knows what lead head to use, and he knows how to present it to you to where you go. And by the time you do that, it's conceived. When I get to hook in him, by the time he gets in the net, he's good as dead. I might put him in the live well, but you know what the end result is. The devil does exactly that with us, with temptation. He's going to find things that he knows you are weak to, things that you are susceptible to, and he's going to use them to get you to do things that we know hurts us in the end. He gives us a list of some of them. Look at what he says. He says, and do not become idolaters as were some of them. What is an idolater? An idolater is someone who lets anything else become more important in their life than God. An idolater is anyone who's got anything in their life that has got more of your attention, more of your focus, all your passion, all your adoration is more about that than God. And that's idolatry. That's why idolatry is so dangerous. Because once we misplace and replace God with something else, guess what's happening? God is no longer the driving force in our life, the greatest motivation. And the devil knows that. But then the next thing he says, and guys, if we ever lived in a time when this is dangerous, he says, not only did they become idolaters, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and one day 3,000 fell. You know, nobody wants to listen to this, but if you become sexually immoral, not only will it hurt you spiritually, but it can hurt you physically. People don't want to admit this, but I still don't think AIDS was an accident. AIDS was a result of people doing things God didn't want them to do. We look at this, it says he killed 23,000 in one day. Friends, if you go and you're going to live a sexually promiscuous life, there's things out there that you're going to catch that Ajax won't wash off. There's things that you're going to get as a direct result of giving in to that sinful temptation. But you know what you're going to also lose? Something more valuable than your physical health. You're going to lose God's intention of the great gift of what sex was in the first place. Sex was never something that we just go and live for the lust of. Sex was given to be between a husband and a wife to be a blessing to help produce intimacy. It was a gift. It was also, I know this don't work well with the days in which we live, it was the primary way for procreation so that we could have more little Jacks and more little rich, big Richards. He ain't little. But guys, listen. If you listen to the world and you let the devil tempt you, your marriage bed will never be what God created it and gave it the ability to have. God intended for a man and a woman on their wedding night to be given to one another. And this great gift of sex was going to be the primary thing that makes them one flesh and make them really have the wonderful joys of what God created us to be able to have together. But you know what we do? When we allow the world system to do what it does, we're so mixed up and so messed up today, we don't even know the difference between a man and a woman. No, there's people who won't even give you a definition of the difference. And friends, you want to know how you keep from having to have abortion? (laughs) Don't have sex. 
But that's not even on the horizon of their thinking anymore. Because why? We left God a long time ago. And friends, listen, not only did he say that they were idolaters, that they replaced God, that they took God's gifts and misused them, but he also says that, if you look with me, that when things wasn't the way they wanted, they tempted Christ. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed. You know how you tempt Christ? By doubting him, by not believing him, by testing him repeatedly, making him have to prove himself. But you know the one that you wouldn't really think of when you end up letting Christ not be number one in your life, not having preeminence, and you, 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 you let temptation rob you of that perfect relationship with God. And Jesus said that, that I'm first. And then you let other things corrupt the gifts of God and you tempt God. You ever notice we go to complaining? <laughs> you know what? We're complaining about America when America done this to itself. And when you complain, you're not ultimately complaining about America. You're complaining about God. I don't know about you, in the midst of America, I got a lot not to complain about. How about you? And know what I've come to find when I make God God and he's not, I'm not worshiping an idol and God is truly my God and I'm living for God and I'm letting God help me live for him. Friends, I want to tell you something. It's a whole nother world. Temptation is dangerous because that's what it ultimately does to you. Look at what he says happened to him. He says, do not become idolaters as some of them were, nor complain. Look at verse 10, if some of them also complained and were destroyed. Now look at verse 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples. Examples for who? Me and you. And they were written for our ammunition upon whom the ends of the earth has come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. There's more to standing than just being forgiven and washed in the blood. If you sow, the Bible says that God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he shall reap. And if we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap the corruption of the flesh. If we sow to the spirit, we're going to reap the benefits of that. So guys, this is the example of what not to do. Now I want to show the example of what to do if you want to have Victory over temptation. You see, the Bible is clear. He says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. I don't know about y'all. I want to take heed this morning. How about you? Lord, I'm looking. You got my attention. I don't want to end up like Israel. I don't want to copy their ungodly example. Lord, I want to stand. You know, those who stand best for the kingdom kneel the most for the kingdom. The first thing that I'm here to tell you that's going to make you stand, that's going to make you overcome temptation, is the same thing that Jesus overcame temptation with. You know what Jesus did when Jesus was asked, how do we pray, Lord? Teach us how to pray. He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then two verses down, he said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Not only did he teach us to pray for the Lord to lead us not into temptation, 
but to deliver us from evil. But he practiced that very same thing. On the night of his crucifixion, when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, can you imagine the temptation that Jesus endured? Jesus was praying. And what was he praying? Lord, if there's any way for this cup to pass, if there's any way that I can dodge the cross, if there's any way, Lord, that I can get out of this, Lord, let it be. But ultimately he said, but not my will, but thy will be done. And he endured temptation to the point that he sweat drops of blood. I promise you Jesus was tempted to not want to go to the cross. He was human. But friends, listen, not only did he teach us by his example, but he taught us by what he told them. He looked at his men and here they are sleeping. And he wakes them up. Know what he tells them in verse 26, verse 41 of Matthew? Watch and pray with me lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but your flesh is weak. The only way you'll ever come over and go against the flesh is to do what the flesh don't like. If there's one thing the flesh don't like to do when temptation shows up is pray. But that's when you need to pray the most. Jesus said in Luke's account, when he came to the place, the place of Gethsemane, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And friends, listen, if Jesus had to pray not to enter into temptation, me and you got to learn how to pray. When temptation shows up, you don't just wait till temptation conceives and gives birth to sin. Then we pray, oh, God, forgive us. That's how I usually end up praying way more times than I should. But you know what God's been showing me? Don't wait till temptation accomplishes its work to pray. Pray before you even have temptation. And you know what? If you pray, that connects you with God more than anything. And when you get to praying, Satan ain't, if there's one thing Satan fears in here this morning, is praying people. People who get on their knees in submission, who humble themselves before God. And the Bible says, submit to God. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Submit to God and Satan will what? Flee. So how do you draw near to God? You draw near to God by humbling yourself, by humbling and kneeling and praying. You know, I have to be honest. Most of my praying is doing with, Lord, forgive me again. Lord, help me not to do it again. But what if we was to begin to say, Lord, help me not to do it at all. Lord, give me strength to say no. As Jesus endured for me, Jesus, help me to endure for you. As you sweat drops of blood, help me to be that dedicated to saying yes to the Father's will. But guys, you know, as you look at Jesus and you look at the example, not only did he pray for temptation and about temptation, he was a student of the word of God. You know what the scriptures say? David wrote in Psalm 119, he said, how can a man cleanse his way? By taking heed to the word of God. He said, Lord, I have hidden thy word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Not only do you have to have a Bible, you got to know the Bible. Not only do you have to know the Bible, the Bible's not doing you any good if it ain't in your heart.
What's it mean to have the word hidden in your heart? I've memorized it. Not all of it, but a lot of it. Friends, I don't know if you understand something, but we've been given spiritual armor to fight spiritual warfare with. And when you take that list of armor that's listed in Ephesians chapter 6, it's all defensive. It's all to protect us except for one thing, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But friends, hold up your Bibles today. Do you see how different all our Bibles look? We all got different Bibles. We all got them at different places. But friends, I want you to know something. You can't get the sword of the Spirit from Walmart or Lifeway. You can't buy it on Amazon. Just because you held up a Bible does not mean you have the sword of the Spirit in your arsenal. You get the sword of your Spirit by getting in the book, by letting the book get in you, by meditating on it to the point you memorize it. And when you've memorized Scripture, then you've got it hidden in your heart. And when the devil comes against you, you may not have time to go home and get your Bible. You may not have time to call your preacher. Because by the time you do all that, usually temptation is already conceiving in your mind and heart. But if you'll get in the Word and let the Word get in you and bury it deep within your heart, the first scripture I ever memorized was this one. God reminded me this week when I quit smoking. Man, I was a new Christian. I'd been a Christian about seven or eight months. Diane had quit smoking. I was wanting to quit. Man, when God saved me, he just took Budweiser. He just took dope. It was so easy. And I started feeling guilty. And I'm not here to make anybody smoke and feel guilty. You still get to go to heaven. You'll just smell like you went to hell first. But I was convicted. He was calling me to be a pastor. I was under conviction. I was feeling bad about it. I wanted to quit, but I couldn't. And finally, one day, I throwed out my cigarettes on the way to work. And I made it through that day. I'll never forget, I was going down Highway 11, going from Pulaski to Ardmore, Alabama. And when I looked in the rearview mirror, them camels was bouncing down the road. I got to church work that day, and I made it through that first day. And man, it was so hard. I kept wanting to buy cigarettes. I wanted to go get some cigarettes. And I opened my Bible, and you know what I did? I turned it to the concordance. Do anybody know what that is? If you don't know what a concordance is, if you're dealing with temptation, do what I did. I was a new Christian. I looked up temptation, and it showed me a list of verses about temptation. So I started reading them, and all of a sudden, I come to this one. And I can remember, I opened it up, and I'd be walking around. Lord, i got to go get a cigarette. Lord, i got to get a pack of cigarettes. So I'd go read that verse, and I kept reading it. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to all men. Thank you, Jesus. This is normal. Everyone deals with it. Help me, Lord. And God is faithful. God, you're faithful. You tell me in this verse that you're not going to allow me to be tempted beyond what I'm able. Lord, I don't know if I can take much more. Lord, I need a way of escape. And I just kept reading that verse. By the end of that day, I had it memorized. Amen. And friends, I've learned that when God comes to your aid, the first thing he's going to bring into your mind is his word. Because it's his word that is the power to change your life. And friends, there ain't nothing the devil is more scared of than a praying Christian, than a praying Christian that can pray the word, amen, out loud. Lord, I claim my children. Yes, I'm brokenhearted. Yes, I'm discouraged, Satan, but you'll not keep my child. Because I've trained my child up in the way he should go. And now that he's old, one day he's coming back. 
I'm claiming the truth of Scripture. And you pray and you claim. Guess what? When you start thinking about Scripture, you quit thinking about what you're being tempted about. When you start praying and you start focusing on praying, before long you start quitting thinking about sinning. (laughs) See, there's ways of escape. But the greatest way of all, because you can be praying and not know God. You can be memorizing them Scriptures and not know Him. The first step is to truly know Him. To be saved. I don't know about y'all, but there's a lot of stuff in my life that ain't fixed yet. But since the day Jesus came into my life, oh, things are a lot different, amen? And Satan wins sometimes, but I'm determined not to let him win every time. I'm determined to let his winning be the uncommon in my life and to let victory and triumph And success for the king and living for Jesus be the most normal part of my life. And friends, that's what he's made possible for everybody in this room. But you got to learn to deal with temptation. And I'm here to tell you, temptation calls for enduring. And the devil will play right. When you read Matthew chapter 4, the Bible says that when Jesus had been baptized, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. And guess who showed up? The devil. And immediately the devil started tempting him. And after those 40 days while he was out there, Jesus, I imagine, got hungry. Amen? Do y'all remember the first thing? This this was all it takes for the devil to win over most Baptists. All he's got to do is wait till we ain't eight (laughs) and stick a big biscuit in front of us. (laughs) Where do you want me to go, Satan? Fasting, we don't even know what that is no more. And I'm talking to me. But you know what he told Jesus? If you're really the son of God, turn that stone into some bread. I mean, a big fat Quincy roll dripping with butter, Jesus. But you know what Jesus did? It is written. It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Satan waits a little bit longer and he sees a possibility, a place where he can tempt Jesus and he tempts Jesus again. You know what Jesus says again? It is written, I shall not test the Lord thy God. And Satan left him alone again. And then finally Satan follows him again. He gets him up on the pinnacle and he knows he's God. Well, certainly his desire to be God, I can tempt him. He says, you want to be God? I'll give you all of this if you'll bow down and worship me. He says, Satan, shut your mouth because it is written, I shall worship no one but the Lord my God. You know what the Bible says? Satan left him to look for a more opportune time. See, Jesus is the ultimate example. Jesus could have just looked at Satan and said, I am God, and smote him back to hell by the breath of his voice. (laughs) But Jesus dealt with Satan the same exact way me and you have to deal with Satan because he's our example. He prayed, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. He taught us to pray. And then he also practiced what he preached, the word of God. Friends, I'm here to tell you there is power in the word of God when it's in our heart. And friends, listen. Listen. 
in the parable of the four soils, it gives you four different people's hearts and it shows you the condition of that heart and it shows you the response of what the word does in that heart. In one of them it says, the one on the rock or those who when they hear the word, they receive the word with joy and these have no root who believe for a little while and then when a time of temptation comes, they fall away. Did you see in that verse why they fall away? They're founded upon the rock. That's the shallow soil, the rocky soil. They're not rooted. They have no root. So the word of God has no root in their heart. They have a shallow, non-committed commitment. And so when temptation comes, they easily fall away. Friends, we got to let the word of God bury deep within our hearts and take root. And you can't get enough of it on Sunday. You can't get enough of it waiting until temptation comes. you got to have it already when temptation begins. Paul pointed toward the one on whom the Corinthians could rely. He said, God is faithful. The temptation that you're dealing with, every man deals with, but God is faithful. He'll help you. The temptations that seized the Corinthians were the same temptations that people of God have always faced and always will face. They could be overcome, though, and endured, though, by depending on God who is faithful. You know what the biggest problem with the Corinthians were? They would have made good Americans. (laughs) The Corinthians' problem with temptation was very much the same problem we have with temptation today. The Corinthians' problem with temptation was when they faced temptation, they were not interested in a way out to endure. They were already looking at the way in to indulge. (laughs) And ultimately, our choice is this. Will I endure for the Lord or will I indulge for me? Endurance, indulgence. America promotes indulgence. America is going to hell and run God out of America because of indulgence. And I'm not here to tell you it's easy. I'm not here to whitewash it. It takes getting on your face. It takes getting on your knees. It takes, Lord, I'm serious this time. No, Satan, help me, Jesus. And you know what I've come to find? Our Jesus is looking for people who come to him to help them with temptation. Now I want you to turn to this and we're going to close. Turn went back to Hebrews chapter 4 where we were at last week. Everybody knows this verse or has heard this passage. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14. But we always use it after we've given to temptation. But I believe Jesus would want us to take advantage of this verse that I'm fixing to read to you before we give in to temptation. And look at what he says. He says right there in verse 14 of chapter 4 in Hebrews, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. The rest of this book tells you that Jesus has passed back through the heavens He's back in heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father on the throne of God with all authority to intercede on our behalf. Jesus is up there. He's an intercessor for us. 
He wants you to win. He wants us to overcome temptation. As a matter of fact, before we read the rest of it, flip back with me to chapter 2. Look at verse 18 of chapter 2. For in that Jesus himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Look at that. For in that Jesus himself has suffered being tempted, he is now able to aid those who are being tempted. He knows how to help us in our temptation because he overcame it. If I want somebody to help me win, I want somebody that knows how to win. Amen? And listen to what he says. Man, this is so cool. He says right there in verse 15 of chapter 4, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are tempted, yet without sin. Man, he knows what it's like to be one of us. He became one of us so that he could show us how to overcome. And look at this verse, man. It's so, it's so encouraging. It's so just when you're in the midst of temptation, if you will get this out, if you will memorize this, if you will begin to say, Lord, you're my high priest. You know what I feel like. I'm coming for your aid. Lord, I want you to be my intercessor. And look at what he says. Let us therefore come boldly, that's confidently, to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in our hour of need. Friends, may I tell you that the hour of need is just as important in the temptation than afterwards. And friends, we need to learn that if our Lord was willing to endure for us, certainly we ought to be able to endure for him. That's why you get a crown. That's why the man who is blessed and endures temptation is going to get a crown one day given to him by God, Jesus himself. I don't know about y'all, but I got a lot of catching up to do if I'm going to be a candidate, amen? I told God this week, Lord, I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to live for Marvin. I want to live for you more, Jesus. Guys, I'm here to tell you, if we're going to do that, we got to deal with temptation, amen? The good news is that with Jesus, we can win, amen? Maybe you're failing today. It takes humility. (laughs) It takes being honest. It takes being willing to come to God. Maybe today you said, Lord, I'm bringing this temptation that's reoccurring in my life, and I'm coming to this throne of grace, and Lord, I'm coming today to lay it at your feet. And I'm coming to seek mercy and grace for my hour of need. And friends, I'm going to tell you what I've been finding out. If when that temptation starts at the midnight darkest hour, when it's just you and God, that's when the devil likes to show up. If you'll quit just thinking about the temptation and focus on what it's trying to make you feel like to do and start praying, you won't feel like it. I'm telling you, you won't. But pray anyway. And as you start praying, start thinking, Lord, this temptation that has seized me is coming. Oh, man, and you're faithful. And, Lord, I thank you that you're not going to allow me to be tempted beyond what I am able, but that through this temptation, you're going to allow me a way of escape so that I may bear it, Lord. Lord, help me bear it. Lord, give me grace. Lord, show me 
how you did it. Come into my life. God lives and breathes to do that for you today. You see, the bottom line is this. We choose. We choose every time. You never have to choose. I look at men in the Bible. And Moses said, I lay before you life and death. Choose this day which one. (laughs) Then you look at other men in the Bible. Joshua. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We have to make choices, folks. And the choice is this. They're not easy. Sometimes they're difficult. But you know what I found? The greatest blessings come from the greatest sacrifices. And it's worth it. Because when you say no, Satan will leave you alone after a while when he finds out it don't work. As long as it's working, he's going to keep. Take your life back. Come today. Lay it at the altar. Get real. Say, Lord, I don't want this in my life anymore. I want to be free. Jesus will help you. First thing is if you're not saved, you need to be born again. You need to be saved. I'm going to invite you today. No matter how many times you fail, no matter how far you may seem, you're never too far for God. Amen? He's here this morning to save you. He will give you the grace you need. I'm going to invite you to be saved. For those of us who are saved, that's primarily who we're talking about. Man, I want to handle temptation better. How about you? Amen? And I know God can help us because he's helped so many. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray, and we're going to respond to what God has shown us. Father, today I just thank you for victory over temptation. That, Lord, when we truly let you lead our life, you tell us in the word that Jesus leads us in triumph. That the fragrance that diffuses from our life is Christ. And to those who are being saved and who are living for you, we're the smell of victory. We're the smell of, Father, triumph in Christ. But to those who are, Lord, dying, we are the smell of death. Lord, help us to live a life to where when people look at us, they smell Jesus on us. Because, Lord, we're being led in triumph and we're walking in victory over temptation and sin. Lord, forgive us where we fail you. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you that you'll allow us to repent. Thank you that, Lord, if we'll just come to you and confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us. But, Lord, help us not to even get to that point. Help us to turn from sin and to overcome temptation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.